We all desire a dynamic relationship with our family, our kids, and our partner. It's not easy, though. I mean, truly having strong, healthy, and, and lasting relationships comes with challenges. And if we don't face those challenges, our relationships can become starved. Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Shaw, host of Positively Dad, and I'm so happy you're with us today. My wife, Terry, and I are the proud parents of an eight-year-old girl. Well, she'll be eight tomorrow, and her name's Naomi. In fact, she's going to join us at the end of the show for the Kids Corner and kind of share her thoughts on things. And I started Positivity Dad last year to be a resource to you, because when you look out there, there's not a lot of stuff for parenting for dads, right? I mean, nearly everything about parenting is for mom. There's just not a lot of resources for us. So I decided to change it, and it's been a great journey so far. And I want to thank you. Thank you for being interested in your personal growth and for making Positively Dad a part of it. You know, chances are you listen to this podcast because you are absolutely committed to being the best parent, the best partner, and the best person. And your relationship with your family is important to you. And you're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that it's a strong one. It's not always easy. There can be a lot of challenges. I mean, and, and how do we get through those? Challenges with our kids, challenges with our partner. How do we know if our relationships are moving in the right direction? And how do you know if your relationship is starved? Our guest today is going to help us with that. His name is Dr. Matt Townsend, and he's an expert on relationships. Now, I've seen him speak personally several times, and I've always learned so much from him. And his book is called Starved Stuff, and it's an amazing guide on how we can have healthy relationships, when to know there's challenges, what to do, and how to make sure that we're always connecting with our partner and our kids at the highest level. So let's jump in and talk with him. Dr. Matt, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So um, I think it's always good. You know, we're always talking to dads about how are things with your kids and what can you do to be a better, you know, parent and all that kind of stuff. We want to be great partners, too. And you're kind of an expert on that. So I wanted to have you on to talk about that. That Your book, uh, Starve Stuffed, is, is really popular. My wife and I both read it. Talk about what are some of the common things that you see come up with, you know, when things just get a little bit rough. Yeah. No, and it's funny. It, it almost, it, what I found is it can be anything, right? So some people, some couples that are struggling are struggling because of certain topical issues, certain issues that come up they just haven't gotten through yet. But some are struggling because they have process issues or ways that they talk or handle conflict. And, um, and those are the people that could literally fight about anything, James. Hmm. So if, if, if any of your listeners are out there thinking, holy cow, we could fight about the dumbest things and these dumb things just take us over, then you probably have a process problem meaning you just have a pattern that you use in when it comes to your conflict and it's not, it's probably not paying off um, to help to create a healthy resolution. Other than that, it could be any topic. I've seen people fight over money, sex, kids, money tends to be the number one thing couples fight about right now. Kids, co-parenting, how we discipline our kids is a big issue. Um, time together now is a big issue. Uh, focus, concentration, like a lot of people are spending way more time with their phones and their technology than they are really with connecting to each other. So mm -hmm. it could be anything. 
So we definitely have opportunity to get better. And you say, I, I always like to say, if there's, you know, you, you, in the book, rather, you say, if there's smoke, there's probably some sort of fire, right? That there's yeah, a exactly. little issue really means there's probably a deeper issue. How, how do we yeah. know when there's a really big issue when we really think it's something kind of minor? Well, one thing is if it's, if it's reoccurring, right? So if any problem keeps happening over and over again, if also when I say smoke and fire, um, I, I use that metaphor because so many people that I know end up fighting aggressively over something that's not even the real issue. So one sign that you have a deeper issue than just something simple is if we, if we see some serious reaction or overreaction to the issue, if we, if we feel, um, I call it smorgasbording, if all of a sudden from that one issue, we springboard into five other issues, that probably means we have a deeper fire burning within us, something deeper about that issue that's emotional, that's psychological, maybe there's a history about that issue. And so instead of just chasing the smoke, we got to get down to what I call the fire. And the, the example I use with smoke and fire is a couple came into me once and um, she had bought a 40 or a $400 purse and he couldn't believe that. Like, that's ridiculous. Nobody needs a $400 purse. And then she turned it into, well, it's not a purse, it's a bag. And he's like, well, I don't care what you call it. That's <laughs> stupid. Nobody needs a $400 bag. And then she said, oh, really? How much was your golf bag? And then we started fighting about his golf bag. And he's like, why does it matter how much my golf bag was? And she's like, you just bought a golf bag. How much was that? And he's like, the bag? And he's like, she's like, yeah, the bag and the bag you put your bag in and the wheels that go with the bag. How much was that? You just bought it. And um, all of a sudden he's like, I don't know, like 300 and something dollars. Three how much? She asked. 370. Well, 370 is 400, you dork. And then they started <laughs> fighting about 370. So if you have an issue that starts to spread like smoke, and then it goes from there, and then he defends it. Like, I need an expensive bag because I put, like, $2,000 with the clubs in that bag. <laughs> He's not now helping his cause. About clubs. That's right. She says, see how it spreads? And then yeah. she eventually says, see, you always did love golfing more than me. Mm. So one way you know you've got a bigger issue is if it starts to spread, if there's a lot of negative emotion around it, if there's a lot of misunderstanding around it, and if there's a lot of mistrust around it. Mm. So we've got to pay attention to that. And you say there are really, I, I think, seven things that make a healthy relationship. So I thought yeah. we could spend most of our time on that. Sh should we just go down the list? I mean, yeah, you want to just kind of do it in order? I call to this, by the way, this is what I call, James, the actual fire. So instead of chasing the smoke, which is whatever the latest fight was about, we need to start listening to what our partner is saying and by the way, this works incredibly well with your parenting as well. Mm -hmm. Listen for what the deeper need is that's not being met. When you listen to what somebody says, they will subconsciously or consciously tell you what the deeper need is. And I say that there's seven basic needs of every healthy relationship. And the seven needs spell an acronym that I call STARVED. And when the needs aren't met, we start to feel starved. Hmm. And when the needs are met, we feel healthy and fed. So to me, love is meeting seven needs. All right. So the first one's safety. Safety. Every human being on this earth needs to feel safe. Safe physically so they're not going to be harmed. Safe socially so they won't be embarrassed. Safe emotionally so they can share what's in their heart. Safe financially so they have enough money. 
faith spiritually so we have the same value system. And so what I found is when those needs aren't met, we fight about a purse. But it might be that this woman's basic need is financial safety or the husband's basic need was financial safety. This woman probably has another need that's not being met, probably of being loved, of being appreciated, being cared for. And so um, these, these needs, by the way, James, they're not like neat ideas. As human beings, we are wired to have our fight or flight instincts kick in when we aren't safe. So if I don't feel safe in any of those areas, I will generally, my body will turn on a fight or flight position. So I'll either get more aggressive with you or I'll run from you. And um, when we, whenever that pattern is engaged, the only way to turn off the pattern would be to get down to what the real deeper need is. So safety, basic need number one. All right, and we've got to be willing to recognize maybe when that's not the case, when we don't feel safe, and be willing to have a conversation. I mean, I, at the end yeah, of the day, it's all about totally. communicating with each other. All right, right. So, so the T is trust, and that seems like, I mean, that's going to be paramount to any relationship, right? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, though, what, what is it about trust? Like, it might not be that your partner is like a deviant that is out, you know, having affairs, but what they might be is just ignorant to how to do this. So generally what I say with trust is there's two things you have to trust with another human being. I've got to trust your character. So I know that you have the integrity to do what you say you're going to do, but I also have to trust your competency that you actually have the ability to do it. So when we go to a doctor, I've got to trust the doctor's character that they're telling me honestly what's wrong with me, but I also have to trust that they're competent enough to do something about it. And if I don't trust your competency, then um, I generally, uh, then I'll have to go get a second opinion. Mm. I don't trust your character. I have to get a second opinion. Mm. So that why this is so important in our relationships, James, is how many of your listeners have actually gone to classes to learn how to deal with conflict? And, and I know you have a ton. You go to every training you can get your hands on. Mm -hmm. But most of us don't ever learn how to manage conflict. We think our parents would have taught us how to do that. But yeah, in, in all honesty, not. it's so when a conflict arises, sometimes we just don't trust each other because um, we don't know how to do it. It feels like that if there's a lack of trust or maybe you had some trust and then lost it for some reason, one or another, it would be difficult to build that back. And that's pretty foundational. Like, I, I feel like it could, yeah. you could lose trust quickly and it would take a long time to rebuild. Well, and it, and it kind of depends on why it's not there. Some people come to relationships without the ability to trust very well okay. because of their past history of being hurt. And it's interesting because that past history creates raw experiences where they're vulnerable and they don't want to trust anymore because somebody hurt them when they were five or somebody hurt them when they were 14. Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times there's a really interesting thing you can see when people are arguing Watch the level of maturity they argue at. Do they argue like a six-year-old who's just going to take his toys and run? Do they argue like a 14-year-old who's just who's inconsolable and is going to do whatever they want to do anyway? Because you, a lot of times you can see where they first learned to not trust. By the way, they call that an attachment issue. And right now, James, what they're seeing with millennials is 60% of millennials have attachment issues. They have a hard time 
creating safety, trust, appreciation, every one of these things we're going to talk about. Well, we'll have to dive into why that is. Yeah. And because then that comes from us as parents now. Yeah, what environment are we creating? Yeah. Okay. Right. Appreciation. We want to feel loved, right? Yep. Everybody wants to be appreciated differently. Some of us, if you've done the five love languages or talked about it, some of us want to be touched. I, I use our senses. So I say everybody uses a different sense to know they're loved. Some of us are seers. We need to see love. Some of us are hearers. We need to hear it. Some need touch. Some are more what I call sensors. They're just intuitive. A sensor wants your time and your attention. So if you notice, this woman is probably, uh, she, she probably is a sensor because she's complaining about her husband not having time for her. That he loves golf more. Mm -hmm. And so his, his starved issue might be safety. Her issue might just be appreciation. And we know we're fighting about, about, about an appreciation issue if we're fighting about chores or intimacy, who's initiating sex more. If we're fighting about kind of the day-to-day -day household grind, it's usually that everybody just wants to be loved differently. That's interesting. And I feel bad for poor Mike and Carla. I mean, they have become... Yeah. The example the, for every we relationship. Beat down Mike and Carla to the yeah they they're luckily they're they're just a makeup of three couples. Okay, so they can, good. They're, they're spreading it out over three couples. That's good. Well, good for them. That's okay. So painful. <laughs> I feel so bad for them. Um, all right. So so uh, just feel appreciated, and we have different ways. So it's important to understand. I guess how your partner wants to be yeah. appreciated, how your kids would like to be appreciated, and then for you to notice, feel like you can share how you'd like to be appreciated. Right. And notice, by the way, that's a that's a competency, right? So well, it's a learned with, thing. With, you have to understand that, right. right? And with each one of these, we we think we get it because conceptually we get the idea, but there's an actual skill set or competency behind each one of the needs, and we're either really good at meeting our partner's needs. Or we just we just try harder to meet our need. So I keep if I'm a toucher, I just keep pushing touch. And if she's a seer, she just keeps making me great meals. But the reality is we may be missing each other entirely. Well, how do we figure that out then? How do we understand? I mean, we fell in love with this person, we we liked him, we yeah. like spending time with him, and then we discover, oh, wait a minute, there's like something else behind there. How do we truly become competent in knowing this stuff? Yeah. Well, one of the best ways is to just shut your mouth and start listening, right? Like, so you're going to hear from your partner what they need. But a lot of times, the minute they start complaining about what they need, we get into defending what we're doing instead of shutting up and listening to what they're saying. So one of the best ways to know what they need is listen to what they complain about the most. And also notice how they love the kids. Like if, if, you, if your spouse is the one that is always hugging and touching the kids, they're probably the toucher. If they're the ones that are always like feeling joy by writing a note, sending a text, making them dinner, they're probably the seer. If they love just time with the kids, they're the sensor. And if they, um, if they are always complimenting and building up the kids verbally, then they're probably the hearer. And what's so cool is what real love is, James, is when we love somebody, not the way we want to be loved, but right. when we really get into loving them their way. It's so right. powerful. Oh, I can't. I bet the connection is one that is, I mean, just off the charts. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And by the way, that's what creates intimacy or as um, Barbara Fredrickson calls it, um, emotional resonance, positive resonance. So then all of a sudden our bodies start resonating with each other 
because I'm giving you what you need. You're giving me what I need. Our brains are together. They're in synchrony. We're positive and we're charitable and it works and beauty flows. Yeah, we're connected. Absolutely. Respect. And you say it's uh, it's key in any healthy long-term relationship. So let's talk yeah. about respect. Respect, if you notice, has the word spect in it. So it's the ability to see. So I always say that respect is the ability to see your partner with reverence, with awe. You, you wouldn't make a decision without your partner. You understand their flaws, but you still respect their position. So, so you bring them in. Now, here's an interesting little dynamic that you'll see a lot of. Statistically, when I work with my clients, I see that the, the female is much more likely to have a safety issue than the male. So the women are more likely to feel fear. And the men, interestingly, I notice, are more likely to feel disrespected. Like she never asked me my opinion about the kids. Mm. She just does it. She just leads. And I never get to tell her what I want to do. And she always tells me I'm not good at parenting and I keep them up too late and I don't do everything right. So when, when she feels unsafe, statistically, females are more likely to say something. And when they say it, the men tend to feel more disrespected. So then the men feel shame. And when the man is ashamed, he generally makes the woman feel fear. Interesting. So there's a weird pattern between fear and shame, safety and respect that kind of starts spiraling. So if your listeners are out there and you notice, this is a universal male-female kind of pattern. Her fear makes her talk. When she talks, he feels shamed. When men feel fear, they'll never talk about it. Like if you ask a man, are you afraid? They'll say, no, I feel weird. I mean, I'm weird. It's weird. But I, it's not fear. I just feel a little anxious or whatever. But when she feels fear, she's going to say something. And when he, feels, when he feels kind of put down, he tends to withdraw. 70% of the time, men in an argument withdraw from the fight. Women, 70% of the time, pursue the argument. They initiate it. They tend to push into it. Now, I mean, that's not universal, but that's a pretty universal stat about yeah. conflict. And part of it is because the female is much more inclined to want to, to solve it so that we can bond. Right. And what tends to happen with the male is our, our hierarchy gets a little more involved. So we, we fight them a little bit more on our position or our status. So we and don't want to have this talk. Then it's easier just to move on and yeah, ignore and, it and, in and, that and, case. And, that makes sense, right? Because yeah. historically, I would have just, you know, clubbed you and walked yeah. away. Right. And that's just not acceptable, right? So we, we have this kind of inherent wiring that we haven't learned a way around yet. And the only way we know around it is for the male statistically to withdraw. So, uh, and then you get stuck in a trap. I mean, all these, if you don't, if you don't truly get to understand these points that we're going through today, you get stuck in a trap and yeah. then no wonder your relationship fails. Yeah. That's right. And then, and then it's all automatic in that trap and it happens. And by the way, it's very predictable. So that's another sign that you've got a, a pattern or problem is that if it's a predictable way that you're always going to fight. And, and by the way, having it that predictable is very safe, right? Like we know exactly oh, you're used how to the it. fight goes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And the, the problem is, is it still means we're going to stay starved. Right. So we haven't fixed anything. Star and starved people end up starving people. And then we end up teaching our kids to starve each other instead of actually solving a problem. Okay, let's go through the last three, and then we'll talk about how we can understand these to make our relationships better with our partner and our kids. 
you that. V, validation. Yeah, V is yeah. validation. And validation is simply the idea that when we have a disagreement, you can still be valid. Um, I may not agree with everything about your point, but you're, you're coming at your point from a history that's valid. And so what I need to do is instead of arguing your validity of your point, I need to go try to understand how you got there. There you go. Validation 101 as a dad with my kid is they may not have a clue. They may really think that something is under their bed about to eat them. And I may know there's nothing under their bed. So, and I can argue that that's a stupid point, or I can step into their fear and try to understand where it's coming from. And I bet you'll have a perfect explanation from their mindset, yeah. right? A book they saw, a story they heard, or a noise they heard. And so once we can go there, we can validate it that I see where you're coming from and I see it a little differently. And this is how I see it. And we use the word and a lot because it allows us to let both ideas stay in play. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the cool thing about validation is, again, it's a skill. But once you learn how to make someone else valid, boy, they open up a whole lot more. Oh, one would People think. talk more when they're I valid. bet. Except now you have to actually be interested, though. I mean, if, you, if that's yeah. the, what you're saying, you got to be interested yeah. in how somebody got there. Otherwise, right. you can't go anywhere. And it, you don't have That's to agree. Right. Just be interested in how they got there. Yeah. If you let them explain it, James, then what they do is they almost talk their, yeah. themselves out of the, the negative energy. Yeah. Because they can start to see, oh, it's just a thought. Um, yeah. E, by the way, stands for encouragement. What, what the research shows is that the healthiest couples on earth have also a healthy dose of conflict. So your goal as a couple is not to be conflict-free. You, every healthy couple has conflict, but the goal is to be encouraging cheerleaders for each other's lives, but also to show courage. So if you notice the word courage is in the word encouragement, mm-hmm. and courage never meant that you were just like brave in the, out in war. Encouragement meant comes from the Latin word for cur, which mean, or the French word for cur, which means heart. So to encourage somebody means you were able to get inside their heart. And, and cheer on their dreams, cheer on their business goals, cheer on their desires, help them, help them like carry the cross of their own, you know, history, their own past. Right. And so to and every human relationship needs encouragement. Clearly. The D is dedication, which hello, you're married or you're their yep. parent. So you want to be dedicated to yep. them. Talk about that real quick. And right. then we're going to talk about just as in our last couple of minutes, just, you know, how you keep a relationship yeah. moving forward. Dedication simply is, are you more dedicated to me or your cell phone? Are you more dedicated to me or your job? Are you more dedicated to me or being right? Are you more dedicated to me or the kids? A lot of us know that if we died today, it would be bad, but, you know, at least my wife still has her kids. Um, A lot of us feel like we're, you know, on the back burner, and I feel very strongly that the most important relationships we have are really as husband and wife, as co-parents, you know, uh, as, as lovers, as people that have chosen each other, um, because weirdly the kids will go away. Um, they, they'll, they'll move away. They'll still be back. They'll come visit. But the hardest relationship I found for human beings is that intimate other party. Yeah. All right. Plus now, I mean, you've got like 600 kids, so. Yeah, I uh, do. I have 400. Yeah, 400. Six kids, six kids. And, and three grandkids. And it's hard, right? It's hard. But it's interesting when I so whenever an issue appears, 
my kids will say something like, oh, I hate my teacher. My teacher's so stupid. And the minute I see that, I recognize that that's just smoke. And instead of fighting it, oh, don't call your teacher stupid. She's a good lady. It's probably just that you're not doing well in the class. Instead, I just say, okay, you seem really angry with the teacher. I just reflect his emotion. Tell me why you're so angry. And I try to let him start telling me why he's so upset. And inside of it, you'll start to hear what his issue is. I hate Mrs. Johnson. She's just, she always puts me down in class. So as you listen to what he's saying, don't argue it. Don't agree. Don't disagree. Just notice that he's talking about respect. And then you can hold that up to him. Son, it sounds like you feel disrespected by Mrs. Johnson because she puts you down. And then guess what he'll do? He'll say, yeah, and he'll give you more information. People want to be understood. They're starving. They want to be heard. And so when you start listening and actually getting it right, they will open up and give you more. And the cool thing, James, is the more they talk, it changes three things. It increases your information so you understand more, but it lowers their emotion because they're getting it out. And it gives you a chance to grow trust. So the three things that tend to show us we're struggling, negative emotion, misunderstanding, and mistrust go away when we effectively listen for the deeper issue. Well, that was the aha I have is we've got to be great listeners at the end of the day. And I feel like if we're in a, if our kid comes home screaming about Mrs. Johnson or we're arguing about a bag, whatever it is, which it could be right. a struggle to listen if you're not prepared to do that and don't know how. What advice would you give about the value of listening to your kids and your partner? The, the amazing thing is, is when you think about it, the most core need, I believe, of every human being is to be understood and the most important and to grow trust and, and synchrony and resonance with another person is listening. But there's nothing better than actually being influenced by another human. And so um, it is a skill set we need to practice and learn. And when we do, again, the amazing thing is you start to actually get to know the person you love. And so part of it is suspending your need to respond a certain way, suspending your, the way that you have to have the world be. Sometimes it's better to just let it be what it is. Hmm. And when you can hold it, I always compare it to like holding a little sick baby bird. Sometimes your spouse will give you the sick bird and you just need to be safe enough that they'll put it right there in your hands and hold it not critique it, not even fix it. Don't, you don't need to fix any of this. Sometimes you just need to hear it and then reinforce that no matter what, they're safe with you. They can trust you. They can be appreciated by you. They're respected. They're validated. All of that stuff. That's great. So if you were going to just sit down and tell a dad as a father of six and a grandfather to three and you go, all right, here's if there's this magic thing you've got to know about how to have dynamic relationships with your partner and your kids, what is it? Okay, I would focus on three things just overtly. I would, I would make sure that my conversations were positive, um, meaning like a five-to-one ratio is what we learned from the experts. For every negative that we say, it takes five positives to reverse it. So make sure that you're doing a whole lot of positive. I would also make sure that you're in synchrony, it's called, and synchrony happens when you're eye-to-eye. When, when you put your phone down, when you put your distractions down, when you turn off your Netflix and you turn to the other person 
and you look at them eye to eye and you try to get in sync with them. The research shows that human beings mirror other people's emotions. So if my son is sad, my body will pick up on the sadness. And if I turn to him, face him, eye to eye, look at him, and I'm trying to be present and positive, then um, we'll start to get actually synced up. And my brain will sync up with his emotion. My, um, when, when he's sad, I'll touch him. When he laughs, I'll laugh with him. When he's about to tell something important, I'll lean in. Mm -hmm. We actually get physically in sync. And so the first one is be positive. Second one is be in sync. And the third one is to be charitable. Meaning there's no one else on earth that can bring more love to the moment than a parent. There's no one else on earth that should be more lovable and loving than a parent. And if our parents could just actually turn off everything, quit trying to make our kids perfect, and instead yeah. make sure they fill those seven needs, right. then the child will literally know that they can trust you in those areas. And when you have that, you have what's called safe attachment. And when they're safely attached to you, then they can handle any, they have resiliency, quite literally. They literally can handle anything in the world. But it takes you being positive, they need more positivity, they need more synchrony, and they need more charity in every conversation. Yeah. I feel like the five to one is a huge thing to think about because yeah. I was talking to somebody today that said, hey, so the kid throws their backpack on the floor, except they did hang up their coat. Which one do you talk about? No, it's interesting if they just, it depends why they threw their bag on the floor. If they threw it on their mat, I'd recognize they're upset. Tell me why you're throwing your bag down like that. Eventually, by the way, you can always tell them to pick their bag up. But what I might do is I may not make it the first thing we talk about when they come home. Mm -hmm, right. Tell me about your day. Tell me where you succeeded. And I'd get some strong rituals of how you greet the kid and make sure that there's a lot of positivity there, then weirdly, it's not negative for you to ask them to put the bag up. That's not a, that's not a negative thing if they know that you're loving. Yeah, it's all about the flow of the conversation and, and what your relationship is. So you've given us right. great stuff that, like you said, it's interchangeable. This, these are basic human desires. So these are things that as partners and parents and people that we could provide just to the world as a gen, in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, hey. exactly. And they're universal, right? So... If you just sit there long enough, you'll figure it out. In your worst fight, when you want it to be over, eventually you just soften and you apologize and you lean in and you start meeting the need. You fix it. So instead of getting in the reactive brain, try to try to just anticipate it a little bit more. That's good stuff, Dr. Matt. How can people find you and connect with you if they'd like to do that? You've got the book, Starve yeah. Stuff. You've got a bunch of other stuff you do too. So tell yeah. people just about how they can connect and find you. One of the best ways is Instagram. Um, just look up Dr. Matt Townsend on Instagram. And on Instagram, you'll be able to go every other day. I put out what's called a Matt's Minute, which is a two to three minute tool or uh, activity that you can do to improve your relationships. Right now, there's about 90 of them on there. So you've already got a full workshop um, to, go, to go watch those. You can also go to, um, to Facebook. Uh, I have literally online on um, on YouTube, I have about 300 eight-minute segments that you can watch of me teaching. They're all free. We have online trainings, workshops. I have everything online that you can just buy and take all the classes if you want to learn the deeper way to feed the starved relationship. 
That's great. Well, I appreciate you taking time out. I've, I've always been a fan of yours, and I appreciate what Thank you do. You, so thanks for spending time with our listeners today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, James. And thanks for the great work you're doing with dads. Appreciate it. As a dad, yeah. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, was that our best conversation ever? I mean, it's quite possible. There was so much jammed into 25 minutes with Dr. Matt. I, I'm going to suggest you go out and get the book, Starve Stuff. Visit the website, uh, follow him on Instagram, do all that, do all the stuff he suggested. Because we all desire these strong, healthy relationships. And we can have them as long as we're willing to put in the work. All right, well, let's wrap up the way we wrap up every episode. And that is to find out what's on the mind of Naomi. She is our very, very soon-to-be eight-year-old. She'll be eight tomorrow, March 10th, which is very exciting. And uh, we just always invite her on to the podcast on Mondays to, to share her thoughts on whatever it is that's important to her. And I don't coach her, I don't talk to her about it. She just says, Daddy, here's what I want to talk about. And we turn on the mic, and there she goes. So, let's find out what's on her mind. Here's Naomi with the Kids' Corner. Ever wonder what's on the mind of your children? Let's find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hello, my name's Naomi Shaw. And today I will be talking about this wand that I got from Barnes & Noble. Um, so, it's a Harry Potter wand. And there's one thing that I like about it. Um, whenever I, I put um, two AAA batteries, and whenever I flick it, it turns. There's a light and it turns on, but whenever I flick it again, it goes back into normal. And it's just really cool. And if you want your kid to get um, one, let them, and they'll like it if they like Harry Potter. That's it, James. Going to have a great day. Bye. And she's already turned me into a slug with it. It's really quite fascinating. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we had a magic wand we could use to fix all our relationships when they get funky? Well, we don't. And that's why we had Dr. Matt on today, so that he could tell us the strategies. So go back, listen to him. Are you starved? Safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation, encouragement, and dedication. That's what we desire in our relationships. So are you providing that? And how can we work together as parents and, and partners to just really have dynamic relationships? Hey, thank you for listening to Positively Dad today. I trust you got some value out of it. That's my goal. If you did, would you share it with somebody? Uh, just t take the link to the podcast, send it to them, or tell them about it, because that's how we grow. And, um, and so thank you for doing that. Also, rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars, a nice review, and then subscribe so you never miss an episode. That would be great, too. And then finally, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Positively Dad and you'll find us. And then if you or somebody you know would be a great guest on the show, send me an email. Let me know, james at positivelydad.com, and we'll have you on. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'm James Shaw. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.